in your hymnal. A little bit of uh, I'm not gonna sing. Okay, nor am I gonna ask you to sing. Open your hymnal to page five ten. And open your Bible to Second Kings chapter twenty one. We had a little bit of issue with the little Mark this morning, so I'm gonna say try to stay pretty close here to the pulpit. Stand with me, if you will, 2 Kings chapter 21. And we're going to read uh, just a few verses. I won't read all the verses I'm going to read tonight because we'll be reading quite a bit. But starting in verse 1, Manasseh was 12 years old when he began to reign and reigned 50 and 5 years in Jerusalem. And his mother's name was Hezebub. And he did that which was said were evil. In the sight of the Lord, after the abominations of the heathen, whom the Lord cast out before the children of Israel, when he filled up again the high places which Hezekiah his father had destroyed, and he reared up altars for Baal and made a grove, and did Ahab king of Israel, as did Ahab king of Israel, and worshipped all the hosts of heaven and served them. And he built altars in the house of the Lord, of which the Lord said in Jerusalem, Will I put my name? And he built altars for all the hosts of heaven in the two courts of the house of the Lord. And he made his son pass through the fire and observe times, and used enchantment and dealt with familiar spirits and wizards. He wrought much wickedness in the sight of the Lord to provoke him to anger. Let's pray. And you ask the Lord to give you something in the message tonight. Ask him just to move us aside so that the Holy Spirit has freedom. Amen. Heavenly Father, we love you. We God, we're thankful for your word. And we know that you promised it will not return void. May we open our hearts to what you have for us tonight. Lord, may the words that are spoken be your words. May the words that are heard be your words. Lord, may you open our hearts and our minds that we might hear from you tonight. Lord, when we leave here, will not return to the that we will apply this to our lives. I pray that you be with our pastor as he's taking the pulpit soon, and Lord, that you give him freedom in the pulpit. And again, Lord, be with the services there. May everything there honor and glorify you as we ask that here, Lord, that you be lifted up. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, baby. Seated. Look in your hymnal at page 510. And somebody read the title to this hymn. <gasps> that was the wrong title. <laughs> Jesus is all the world to me. You know, um, well, I love this song. Uh, we can also look at page um, 443 in your hymnal. It says, Take the world, but give me Jesus. That's the first word of that. Give me Jesus. Is the title of that song. And you know, we see a lot of times that we could change the titles of these songs to Give Me the World and Keep Jesus. And we can see that sometimes the world is all the world to me. You say, Well, who are you talking about? Well, I would hope that usually we're talking about the world. And those that are out in the world, but you know what? Sometimes that creeps into our churches also. Um, tonight, 
you can see that we are way low compared to what we were this morning. Now, I almost at the end of the service said this morning, if you have plans tonight other than to be here, change them. Be here tonight. Now, I know that there's things that happen. I know Sister Jean's not here, obviously. She's in the hospital. Shelly's with her mom. And, and things like that come up, and they happen, and there are those that are not able to be here because of illness and other things. But there's a lot of times that we take the things of the world, things that we want to do, and we put them right in front of God. And we do what we want to do rather than what God would have us to do. If you believe that, say amen. We see it. It's visible. We can visibly see that. Say, oh my goodness, you can offend somebody with that. I should be offended by that in my life when that happens. Amen. I should offend myself with that. And so uh, when we look at this song and we sing this song, Jesus is all the world to me, where is the line drawn? Take the world but give me Jesus. Where is the line drawn that we say, that is what I want my life to be? Now, that doesn't mean that I expect anybody, especially myself, to be perfect. Because we're human beings and we fail. Amen? But when we consciously make a decision to put things in front of God and what God would have for us, we're, we're playing with fire in our lives. And it, it was funny because we were, uh, I mentioned before about how many churches are uh, Sunday morning only churches now. They meet on Sunday mornings and that's it. Next week, we were on the way. We picked up Maddie over in uh, Kentucky and we're coming over the Kentucky side and we passed the church. And it was kind of funny. I read the, the service times and it said for service times, if you look at our church, we have uh, Sunday school, Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night. Those four are out there on the sign. This one said, uh, every Saturday, every first Saturday and Sunday of the month. That was it. I was like, wow. Man, if you get sick there and miss church, you're just out for the month. You miss the whole month. That'd be pretty rough. And, uh, but it's important that we look at what God has for us and that we don't decline from it, but that we draw towards it. Amen? And we're looking at the, the story of Manasseh here. And he's king of Judah. And as we looked at this, he built altars. Verse 5 says, he built altars for all the hosts of heaven in the two courts of the house. Look at verse 7. And he set a graven image of the grove that he had made in the house, on the which the Lord said of David and Solomon his son in this house and in Jerusalem, which I have chosen out of all tribes of Israel, will I put my name forever. Neither will I make the feet of Israel move any more out of the land which I gave their fathers. Now, I want you to look at verse 11. This verse 11 of this chapter is one of the saddest verses that I think I've ever read. It says, And because Manasseh, king of Judah, have done these abominations and have done wickedly above all that the Amorites did. Do you realize the Amorites were the enemy of God? They were the enemy of God. And God is saying that Manasseh did evil above all that the Amorites did, which 
Judah also to sin with his idols. And look at verse 12. Therefore, thus saith the Lord God of Israel, Behold, I am bringing such evil upon Jerusalem and Judah, and whosoever heareth of it, both his ears shall handle. Now, I'll just give you a little bit of background here. We look down at verse 18. It says, And Manasseh slept with his fathers as was buried in the garden of his house, in the garden of Uzzah, or Uzzah, however you want to say that, and Ammon, his son, reigned in his stead. Verse 19, Ammon was 20 and 2 years old when he began to reign, and he reigned 2 years in Jerusalem, and his mother's name was Meshulameth, and daughter of Hannah, and he did that which was evil in the sight of the Lord and his father, as his father Manasseh. He was trained by the best or the worst. Right? He was trained by the worst. Now, Heather mentioned in her testimony, <clears throat> she was so thankful for uh, parents that were faithful to God, and she said that our generation hasn't been as faithful, uh, afraid they haven't been as faithful as her parents' generation. I believe that to be true. Amen? We see it in the results we talked this morning about how many churches are left like our church. You say, are you saying your church is perfect? Man, we're far from it. Amen? But we take a stand and we're not going to go backwards away from God. If anything, we need to draw closer to God and take a stand stronger on the things of God. And Manasseh didn't do that at all. In other words, he was worse than the enemies of God. And his son, Amon, did the very same thing. He was trained by the horse. And he followed after that. But what do you do when the generation before you is worse than the generation before them? The Bible says that Amon ruled two years over Judah and his servants slew him. And then we see in verse 26 of chapter uh, 21, verse 26, and he was buried in the sepulchre of the garden of Uzzah, and Josiah his son reigned in his stead. Now, look at verse 1 of chapter 22. <clears throat> we'll start getting into the message here. Josiah was eight years old when he began to reign, and he reigned 31 years in Jerusalem. And his mother's name was Jedediah, the daughter of Adiah and Boshah. And he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord. Now, each individual will stand before God and give an account of their actions to an almighty God. I won't be able to blame my parents. I won't be able to blame society. I won't be able to blame my wife. I won't be able to blame my children. I won't be able to blame the pastor of this church. Amen? I'll stand in front of an almighty God and I'll give an account of myself to him, as will every individual in the world. Josiah was eight years old when he began to reign. Eight years old. If I had a title for my message tonight, it would probably be Stand in the Gap. Josiah was eight years old and made a decision that they were going to follow after the true God of Israel. 
king of Judah at this, the ripe old age of eight, he made a godly decision. Amen? And he began to reign and do that which was right in the sight of the Lord. Sight of the Lord. And for 32 years, for 31 years, I'm sorry, he reigned. Look with me at chapter 3, or chapter 23. Now, if we look at verse 3, uh, or I'm sorry, chapter 22 and verse 3, it says that it came to pass in the 18th year of King Josiah that the king sent Shaphan, the son of Azaliah, the son of Meshulam, the scribe, to the house of the Lord, saying, Go up to Hilkiah, the high priest, that he may sell the silver which is brought into the house of the Lord, which the keepers of the door have gathered of the people, and let them deliver it into the hand of the doers of the work, that they have the overnight of the house of the Lord, oversight of the house of the Lord, and let them give to the doers of the work which is in the house of the Lord to repair the breaches in the house. Now, uh, God had put a end to the house of Judah because of Manasseh. He had put a curse on the house that it was going to end. Josiah sent these men so that a work would be done. Uh, there was no account of the money given from what we see because uh, if you look at verse 7 it says, Howbeit there was no reckoning made with them of the money that was delivered into their hand because they dealt what? Faithfully. You didn't have to worry about it. They dealt faithfully. And so <clears throat> the penalty of Manasseh was revealed uh, to Josiah. If you look at verse 8, it says, And Hilkiah, Hilkiah the high priest said unto Shaphan the scribe, I have found the book of the law, the house of the Lord. And Hilkiah gave the book to Shaphan, and, and he read it. Shaped and the scribe came to the king and brought the king word again and said, Thy servants have gathered the money that was found in the house and have delivered it into the hand of them that do the work that they that they that have the oversight of the house of the Lord. And Shaped and the scribe showed the king, saying, Hilkiah the high priest hath delivered me a book, and Shephiah Shaphan read it before the king. This book basically told what was going to be happening to Judah. It laid it out. So the first thing we see, verse 3 through 10, is the penalty of Manasseh. When God puts someone in a position, there's a responsibility that goes in that position. And when a man fails, it doesn't just go unseen by God. God has given us eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. That wasn't a that didn't just happen. Jesus gave his life so that we might have eternal life. Amen? And God has put us in a position of accepting him as our Savior and then going to work for him. We should count it all joy to be able to work for God. To be able to do something. And so often we count it as a treasure. So often we look at it and think, oh man, what else are we going to have to do? Now, I will say this. Uh, this is a proven fact that in a church 
This is how it is. And so when that happens, uh, you know, we don't like to use the word burned out. I don't like to use the word burning. But that can happen. Amen? And sometimes when uh, something is going on and you're a part of a ministry and another ministry comes along, because you're faithful in one ministry, people automatically think, well, they'll be faithful in this one, and they come and they say, I need you to do this, and, and maybe that's a night that you're not able to do something, and, uh, and, and it just so happens that, okay, I'll do it because nobody else is there to do it, and you know what? If somebody is not led of the Lord to teach Sunday school, I'd rather they not teach Sunday school. You say, you mean quit? I say, quit. Don't take it in the first one. Right? But if God is not leading you to do something, don't do it. Because two things are going to happen. You're going to be miserable while you're doing it. Now, you may say, well, I'm praying about that. And, and I'm thinking God may have me do that. Then get in there with the teacher that's currently in there and, and or another teacher and start learning. Amen? And say, okay, so I can do this. Nobody at this church wants you to take a ministry in order to be miserable in that ministry. That would be like saying, Mark, we really want you in the nursery. I can tell you right now, if I go to the nursery, every baby in there is going to be miserable. And every mother that leaves her child in there is going to be miserable. Because they're going to be dealing with diaper rash for the next two weeks. Because I'm going to say, I'm pretty sure they didn't need change. You know, I'm going to be miserable in that ministry. That's not where God has placed me. But God has a ministry for each one of us. Let's find what that is and go to work for him. And there's an accountability to God in the fact that we're Christians. We weren't saved to sit. Right? God never saved us to say, put your name right there on that front pew there last and that's yours and that's your nobility. You know, you, you get some of these churches, and I thank God our church isn't like this. I pray it's not. At least y'all are very boy if you are. But when somebody's in your pew when you walk in, you know, we're not like that. Somebody, Brother Bruce, that is where you sit all the time. Just about all the time, isn't it? You weren't there this morning, were you? You were over there. I thought you were absent. And I was sitting up here and I said, I wonder if Brother Bruce is not going to love me. And I said, oh, he's over there. I had to pick three people to see you. But you know what? He sat over there and never said a word, did you? Did you ask him to leave? No. Oh, was his brother? Oh, that brother. Okay. I thought it was Scotty. But, but we're not like that. God has, has given us a job to do. It's not to hold down that pew. Trust me. When we're not here all week, Johnny, do you walk in here and the pews moving around? No, they're held down fine. They don't need somebody to hold them down. And so we come into church with the ability God has given us to do a work for him and to do it with the best of the ability he's given us and a love for him that lets us get that work done. Amen. And if you're miserable in a work that God is, that, that you're in because man has put you there, 
then let's start working on getting you where you need to be. Amen? God will show you where you need to be. And so, uh, and Brother Danny's going to call me tomorrow and say, I had 12 people quit their ministry last night. What world did you preach on? But anyways, we see Manasseh, there was a penalty that came down because of how he was. His son paid a price because of his father. I can't imagine that verse that we read that says he was worse than the Amorite. Wow, what a condemnation of God that came down on Manasseh. And so here uh, we see the humility of Josiah when we look at verse 11. It says that it came to pass when the king had heard the words of the book of the law that he rent his clothes and the king commanded Hilkiah the priest and Ahikam the son of Shaphan and Abel the son of Micaiah and Shaphan the scribe and Azahiah the servant of the king saying go ye inquire the Lord for me for the people and for all Judah concerning the words of this book that is found for great is the wrath of the Lord that is kindled against us because our fathers have not hearkened unto the words of this book to do according unto all that which is written concerning us. Man, we see the humility of Josiah. You know what Josiah could have said? Well, what do you mean? Why am I going to pay for it? Why do I have to pay for it? But you know what he said? God, in all who he is, is almighty, and, and he has written this down in the book. And we need to do something about it. Go inquire of God for me. And he rent his clothes and humbled himself before Almighty God. Sometimes we need to do that, don't we? We need to humble ourselves before God. And so then we see the response to Josiah. Look at verse 16. Thus saith the Lord, Behold, I will bring evil upon this place and upon the inhabitants thereof. Over even all the words of the book which the king of Judah hath read, because they have forsaken me and have burned incense unto other gods, that they might provoke me to anger with all the works of their hands. Therefore, my wrath shall be kindled against this place and shall not be quenched. But to the king of Judah, which sent you to inquire of the Lord, thus say ye to, the, to him. Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, as touching the words which thou hast heard, because thine heart was tender, and thou hast humbled thyself before the Lord, when thou heardest what I spake against this place and against the inhabitants thereof, that they should become a desolation and a curse, and have rent thy clothes and wept before me. I also have heard thee, saith the Lord. Behold, therefore, I will gather thee unto thy fathers, and shall and thou shalt be gathered unto thy grave in peace, and thine eyes shall see all the evil which I will bring upon this place. And they brought the king word again. In other words, Josiah, you're going to live in peace because you humbled yourself. Now, God didn't, he didn't change the fact of what he was going to do, but he put it on pause, if you will, for Josiah. Now, here's what Josiah read this or had this read to him in the 18th year of his reign. How many years did he reign? Do you remember? 31. So he's over halfway through his reign 
when this kind of when he reads it, when it's read to But before that, he'd already chosen to follow after the ways of David, his father David, and to do the things of God and follow after God. So his heart was going in the right direction. And then when he read this, he was humbled even more and humbled himself before God. And so now we see the response of Josiah. Look at verse 20, or chapter 23 and verse 3. And we won't read all this for time's sake. <clears throat> but as the king stood by a pillar and made a covenant before the Lord to walk after the Lord and to keep his commandments and his testimonies and his statutes with all their heart and with all their soul to perform the words of this covenant that were written in this book and all the people stood to the covenant. So what do we see first? He made a covenant before the Lord for all the people that were there. Now, there are times that taking a stand for God is not a popular thing. We can all agree with that, right? But there is never a time that God will not be God. And that when we take a stand for Him, there's never a time He won't see that. And that He won't reward and so Josiah stands and makes a covenant before the Lord and all the people stand with him in the covenant look at verse 4 and the king commanded Hilkiah the high priest and the priests of the second order and the keepers of the door to bring forth out of the temple of the Lord all the vessels that were made for Baal and for the grove and for all the hosts of heaven, and he burned them without Jerusalem in the field of Kidron, and carried their ashes of them unto Bethel. So what he do? He burned all the vessels that were made to Bethel. So we're seeing the response that Josiah had to the response that God had to Josiah. Now Josiah then to say, okay, we know this coming, I've humbled myself, so that's all I need to do. He says, no, we're going to go far. While I am king, we're going to make a covenant between us and God. We're going to take all those things that the false God had offered to him, and we're going to destroy it. And he burns it. And then we look at verse 5. And it says, and then you think this wasn't maybe an unpopular move? He says, and he put down the idolatrous priest who the kings of Judah had ordained to burn incense in the high places in the cities and in the places round about Jerusalem. They have also to burn incense unto Baal, to the sun and to the moon and to the planets and to all the hosts of heaven. He put down the idolatry, the idolatry seeking priest. Explain what that means to put them down. Let's just say they're not in that position anymore. Yeah. Now, you say, well, I wonder if anybody said anything just saying you can't do that. I don't hear where God said you can't do that. Amen? Josiah said, look, this was an abomination to God. Do you realize we are standing by the grace of God out of his wrath right now? That he has put a hold on his wrath for us at this time. And we're going to do everything that we can to lift God up and to make sure that he is God 
basically cleans house. If you want to just put it in, in a nutshell and just put it all there, he cleans house. There's times that we need to clean house. Amen? Now, I'm not, I'm not going to go around looking for idolaters, priests here in the church. That's not what I'm talking about. But in our lives, we need to clean house. We need to say, you know what? This is not pleasing to God, and that's not pleasing to God, and, and I'm going to get rid of it. How many of you have ever had a yard sale? Praise me if you had a yard sale. How many of you like having a yard sale? How many of you like getting rid of stuff you don't need? Yeah. Okay. How many of y'all, when you got that stuff, you didn't think you'd live without? Somebody raised your hand. There's something. Okay. And then when you get rid of it, you go, I really miss that. It wasn't as important as I thought it was. And you know, there's sometimes that, and this is what I was talking about in the in the songs that we sing, that we're holding on to things that we think we can't live without. And when we let go of them, we realize, why wasn't that a big deal? I feel a lot better not having that in my life, you know. Uh, I let go of cars for a long time. And man, I wake up in the morning, I feel so much better without cars. I love bread. When we went to Israel, Mike, and Bruce, you've been over in Israel. Who else has been to Israel? Sister Pat, Sister Karen. Oh my goodness, the bread over there. If you like bread, go to Israel just for bread. Steve Cook told me, he said, that's why it says in the Bible, man shall not live by bread alone. Because over here they would try to. Because it's that good. They sell it on the side of the street. They'll sell a piece of bread. I don't even know what it's called. It's like five bucks. It's called that mic stand. Just about everything around. And that's all. Steve Cook ate 30 of those over there. He's just walking around with it on his shoulder. Looks like a big stick. He's breaking off. You want any of this? I'm like, I don't know. That guy's hands clean? You got that. He goes, I don't care. Just eat bread. But it was so good. And we were at breakfast one morning and I cut a big, there was a big loaf of bread there. I was like, oh, that was good. And I cut a big slice off of it. And when I was cutting it, it was jiggling a little bit. I was like, I don't think that's done. And we went and sat down. And, and Chris, uh, oh, I can't think. Chris K. Chris K was with us. And she said, good night. And I said, I want to try this piece of bread. She goes, dang, bread, that's cheese. And it was like that big. She goes, that's expensive cheese, too. And I'm not a big cheese fan to just eat it without bread. I need bread to eat it. I think it sat Mike in my seat for the day in the bus. And at the end of the day, Mike said, you got to get rid of this cheese. This is kind of bad. And uh, But the bread was amazing. And so I did without bread. And Man, all of a sudden, I quit missing bread. I go to McDonald's and get a cheeseburger, eat it with a knife and fork, and act like it was filet mignon. It wasn't, but I acted like it because I didn't have a bun with it. And so I had to realize, man, I don't even need the bread. Until I went back to the bread. Man, I thought, oh, I've really been missing that bread. I've been better off to stay away from the bread. Amen? And so when we do away with things, we realized, but we didn't need that that bad. And that's the way it is. When we replace anything that God has for us with what the world has for us, we're messing up. And when we move it out, 
God says, And like unto him was there no king before him that turned to the Lord with all his heart, with all his soul, with all his might, according to all the law of Moses, neither after him arose there any like him. That's a pretty, pretty awesome statement. The fact that Josiah, at eight years old, made a conscious effort to follow God. Now, when we look at his heritage, when we talk about heritage, when we look at Josiah's heritage, it wasn't very good. Came on his dad, followed after Manasseh, his dad, and they didn't have a chance. You know what? That's what people in society say. They don't have a chance. Well, they have a chance. And it's through Jesus Christ. In Christ alone. And so, how God can take an individual that has never had the upbringing in church, never had the upbringing to love Christ, and he can save their soul and turn them on a path that completely changes their life. And it can change future generations of their family. Amen? Only God can do that. But we have to make decisions to follow after God. So how do we apply this to our lives? Well, Josiah had to take a lot of stands made him unpopular with the world, but he took it. Sometimes we have to take stands that make us unpopular with the world. You think about how easy it is now for Christians to blend in with the world. If you go back 50, 60 years, in the 1950s, and I don't expect anybody here remembers that, but some of the television shows that I've watched that were teenagers in the 50s, when they would go out on a date, right? Do you know what they were wearing? They were wearing what I'm wearing tonight. And a suit jacket with a tie. And the society pushed people towards church. It didn't push them away from church. Today we have completely flipped that. So that society pushes people away from church and that the church has become to look more and more like the world. And it's a wonder people are confused. What do you believe over at that church? Well, this church over here believes that, and that church believes that. And I mean, it, it's just confusing. But when you're asked that, it's a great opportunity to share what we believe. Amen? The very first thing we should start with with is that Jesus died on the cross for your sins, and without him you'll never get to heaven. You would be surprised how many people go to church and say, what? I don't hear that in our church. Does your church not use the Bible? Because that's very clear in the word of God, amen? That without Christ, there is no heaven again. And so, it gives opportunity by sharing. But we ought to look like Christians. We ought to talk like Christians. We ought to act like Christians. And when the world looks at us, they should feel something different. Amen? That there's something different about these people. That individual, there's something different. It's not because of us. Because, believe me, I'm going to end up acting and looking like the world at times when I let my guard. And I've got to be careful with it. But Jesus is all the world to me. Well, the world is all the world. Let's make sure that Jesus is all the world. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we love you. Lord, help us as we go out from this church tonight. 
go out from your house, Lord, that we would represent Jesus Christ. That he would be lifted up, that people that were around would want to know what's going on in our lives. Why we're different from everybody else they know. Or even if it's everybody else they know that goes to church, and we'd be different because of what Christ does in our lives. Lord, I pray that you help us with our witness. We thank you for Josiah, the testimony, Lord, that he had in your word, and the gap that he stood in. Lord, we may be standing in a gap tonight that needs to Josiah. I pray that we'd be faithful to you, that we would be that gap speaker. And Lord, we would be that Josiah for you, for your work. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Well, again, thank you for tuning in today, and we pray that we could be a blessing to you. And remember that you can always reach out to us at ffibc.org, or you can call us at 740-354-9301. Thank you, and God bless.